welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. And you're hearing my voice this week to start us off. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Ryan Quintel. You can call me Q. I'm Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. And we have a special guest with us this week who is does, is not going by the name Ryan, which is lucky, lucky for, <laughs> for them. We cleared uh, up a lot of confusion. <laughs> yeah. I, I would describe our guest as very talented and honestly impossibly busy, Kate Sanchez. <laughs> Hi. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. It's so awesome. <laughs> I don't that know you about the talent, us. but I can attest to the busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kate, I mean, you are the founder and editor in chief of uh, But Why Though? Could you give us a little, uh, you know, the one, two, three, the elevator pitch? Yeah. Um, but Why Though Geek Community is a site founded to, evol- to elevate marginalized voices in the pop culture space. We cover everything from video games and comics comic books to movies, television, anime, manga, book, books, literally everything from interviews, reviews, and recaps to thoughtful analysis pieces on the media we consume. We're here to push towards a more inclusive and diverse industry. I love it. I I came across the site probably early last year or some some sometime I think early last year and I I was lucky enough to I was it on Christmas day you guys were doing a little community get together in the discord right oh I think so yeah we've done quite a few but I do know last year we did or uh last year for Christmas we watched them up at Christmas Carol and then we did like a giant Lord of the Rings marathon stream as well which are probably our two big things that's wild. So it, it's so cool. If you if you haven't had a chance, go check out But Why Though. It's uh, but, but why though podcast.com. Um, but we're here today to come up with some video game ideas, which apparently you're brimming with. Yeah. Uh, one in particular that I've been like wanting for a while. And I was <laughs> like, hmm, what can I think of? Well, what have I tweeted? <laughs> This is your chance. We get all the ideas, of course, uh, available. Please, if you if you're inspired by these ideas, go make a great game based off of them. Don't make a lousy game. Only make a great game uh, based on them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and and if you get really litigious, Kate, you can always say I said it first. So that's that, this, 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 <laughs> the show where you can claim that. This is the podcast equivalent of mailing it to yourself. So <laughs> I think we've got you covered. <laughs> Ah, so, gosh, we usually have a set order. Um, I think last time I had gone first. You did. Uh, Typically, though, you know, when we have a guest on, we like to kind of present the option. Are you excited to get right out the gate and pitch something yourself? Or would you rather uh, kind of hang back and let one of us do it first? Like, how how are you most comfortable in approaching this? get right out the gate i think that's right. fine with me basically just uh, to explain the uh, the format of the show for people who are listening in and for you potentially um is that uh you have as much time or as little time as you as you wish to pitch the game and then we spend a collective 10 minutes kind of workshopping it whatever comes to mind and then at the end of that 10 minutes we have kind of a hard cutoff where we have to kind of close it down where it stands and give it a name um, of course, it can yes. always be revisited by the community and the comments or whatever. But um, as far as uh, it's out of our hands at that point. <laughs> so anyways, take it away whenever you're ready. Yeah. So hold back your name. Awesome. Um, yeah. So my pitch is a fighting game based on the animations from Powerhouse Studios. 
Um, I am a, I cover a lot of the Western animation on this site and I explicitly cover a lot of the powerhouse stuff, all the powerhouse stuff that comes up. Um, if you're not familiar, powerhouse studios is an animation studio based in Austin, Texas, that is, that works to produce Netflix originals. Most of the times, uh, they're the studio, the animation studio behind Castlevania, (laughs) Blood of Zeus, uh, and Sesmanos. Um, and then also the new He-Man show. And I think they worked a little bit on a trans former show as well um but for me particularly i am just such a fan of one the art style and that they don't know how to make an ugly character like just look up <laughs> castlevania anime or sesmanos or blood of zeus everybody is hot everybody has fantastic <laughs> eyelashes and that is also a har- hallmark of a fighting game <laughs> that everybody is attractive for the most part yeah strong eyelash game across the genre <laughs> yeah really <laughs> But what I really like and what I've really appreciated about Powerhouse Animation is that they've really been pushing for strides of creating an adult animation space that isn't just comedy here in the U.S., which is something that I greatly appreciate. And they do phenomenal action sequences. And if you look at something like their property, Sesmanos, each one of the characters is not only a master of a different type of kung fu, a different type of martial art. Um, they're also that also informs their personality, and it's a series that is highly stylized in the grindhouse exploitation space. It's essentially an anime that takes place in, in Mexico um, that fuses uh, Chinese kung fu movies and uh, black exploitation and exploitation, and makes good, good, goodness. Castlevania, self-explanatory, sexy vampires. Uh, plus Trevor Belmont and Saifa Belnades. Uh, so magic and blade whips and swords and those things. And then Blood of Zeus are gods. Uh, so I personally, it makes no sense why they would fight each other. Uh, but neither did Jump Force. And while I know Jump Force wasn't a good game, I am all for bringing <laughs> uh, a studio or properties or a studio... A studio stable all into one place, if you will, uh, to just duke it out and so have like a fight system where you can choose like there's only three properties. So like, maybe you just choose two people and you can alternate between them and that kind of stuff. All right. Sounds great. Let's go ahead and put 10 minutes on the clock and see where we can get with this. I think this is so cool. I I am halfway through. I'm way behind season two of Castlevania on Netflix um, and I haven't checked out Blood of Zeus yet, and it sounds like I've got another one and uh, Seismanos to, to add to the list. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking about all of. First of all, we do we all agree that Arc System Works could <laughs> could crush this? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it feels uh, tailor made for them. But I I some of what you're talking about, Kate. I'm thinking what a wonderful uh, campaign mode. This is almost like a adult anime. Uh, Super Smash Brothers or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, one hundred. We recently had what was it called? Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle. That was uh, uh more of a crossover between fighting game characters. I don't know if they pulled in any kind of cross media, uh, but it was mostly kind of centered around the Blaze Blue fighting game system, and then pulled in characters from Guilty Gear and uh, some of the other games from. I don't know if it's all within. Arc System Works uh, realm, or whether it's uh, various companies coming together. But um, I do love, you know, these kind of cross collaboration 
fighting games in particular. And you, you brought Jump Force into this, which actually kind of leads on to a question that I had about this. Um, you mentioned that there was obviously immense power differentials between these characters. If you're fighting like literal gods against just regular humans, even if they are trained demon hunters, um, that can still be quite a tall order. In Jump Force, did they have to account for the same type of thing as well? Are the Dragon Ball characters, for instance, like so much more powerful that they had to kind of like story-wise limit their power in some way? Or do the kind of One Piece, uh, Naruto characters really kind of keep up? I don't, I've never played the story. Uh, Mm, I just play the arcade Mm. pieces, so I'm not too sure. But like, I kind of picture it also like as a Marvel versus Capcom thing too. Yeah, yeah. Those power differentials are super, super different, but somehow it works. But I honestly don't play campaigns in five years. (laughs) Totally fair enough. That's fun because I only play the campaigns. I just wonder if there's like industry wisdom around like, do we completely hand wave it away and just pretend that all of these people are, you know, fighting each other in good faith and are just, you know, having a a decent enough, you know, rounded it. I feel like you have to at a certain point, (laughs) like you just have to. Injustice, uh, injustice gods among us really bent over backwards to be like no 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 everybody may got suits made of kryptonite and uh, <laughs> you know really tried to say this is how we fit superman into the rest of these fools because obviously he would just be you know completely um in a different He's kind like, of the standout and so yeah the fact that they kind of set him up as the antagonist of at least the second game i don't remember if he was in good standing in the first game or not but um it feels like it would be appropriate, narratively speaking anyways, that the other heroes would be prepared to fight their biggest threat. <laughs> what I think could be cool about this is, you know, some of what you were mentioning about, and I, and I love the style of Powerhouse in it, that the battles can sometimes feel like they're kind of taking place in a fighting game-esque arena, but I'm thinking about some of those early scenes in season one of Castlevania where they're out in the streets and you have groups of people um, fighting demons and, you know, debris falling, things are on fire. I could, I would love to see one of these types of games and maybe Jump Force is better at this, but um, with a much larger combat field. So kind of Marvel versus Capcom, but what if you, you know, four, six X'd the, the entire combat space and really used an environment to your advantage? That would be really amazing. And I think that that I think using an environment to the advantage would also really play well into the different into the different characters, too, because like if there is that power differential, like maybe allowing the Sesmanos characters, which are just humans, one of them is kind of supernatural, but not really if they can pull parts of the environment to maybe even it out a little bit, that would be interesting. And also they would be more apt to do that. Or like even just the humans in general, because like Alucard isn't really throwing around like parts of the environment, but like Trevor mm-hmm. totally is. I think that would be really, really interesting. I'm also just a personal fan of inter- uh, in interactive environments and fighters in general. Mm-hmm. I love them so much. I wonder if any fighting game has ever... I can't think of any off the top of my head, any that have set their fights in kind of like crowded areas. I mean, obviously you see a lot of like busy 
marketplace backgrounds and Street Fighter and King of Fighters and stuff like that. But that's all very, you know, in the background, non-interactive. You had the, my personal favorite, the Snoop Dogg fighting stage in uh, <laughs> Tekken Tag Tournament 2, oh, in wow. which um, he was uh, rapping in the background on the back of a uh, giant golden throne. <laughs> but um, but the, I, I've never seen a fighting game that takes place like in an actual crowd where you'd have to kind of weave through the people and you know maybe and i don't know if this becomes an unpleasant thing to think about but uh to think about like some characters you know might want to try to protect the people some characters might want to hurt the people and and uh maybe the the gods receive you know greater boons the more people are kind of left in the arena where, while they're trying to flee while other characters might be trying to crush them with buildings or something because you know they're the people are i guess effectively you know worshipers or something like that um in a similar way if we're talking about kind of destructible environments tearing down temples and monuments could weaken god's power in some way as well that would be amazing actually that's a really really good concept because that's also something that could play um not not spoiling Castlevania because I won't say which character does it, but there is a um, a part in the most recent season of Castlevania where a character essentially sends what is like kind of a skyscrapery thing, like Tower of Mordor type thing, um, or like Eye of Sauron type thing, and he has to pull out like a power thing from it to then like be able to take on like some of the supernatural things around him and so like i feel like that would be really interesting and i feel like it would definitely play well to a campaign style too you're of course referring to the character jeff Um, (laughs) everyone knows the mighty jeff castlevania Uh, jeff (laughs) i I will add into this mix you know if we didn't want to go the marvel capcom 2d route Speaking of a, a a group that recently made a lot of uh, sexy people appear on a screen, I can imagine uh, the Hades developer. Is that is that Devolver? Am I getting my? No, that is uh, uh, Super, Super Giant. Giant. Super Giant. Oh my god, I can't believe I forgot that Super Giant. If there was a Hades esque format where I'm doing uh, runs and I'm encountering the gods as bosses, but I can play as all the characters from the from the entire kind of uh, universe of powerhouse animation. I think that that, that could be fun too. Yeah, or even something kind of arcadey, like a power stone style 3d yeah. brawler in a way. Um, I, I like games where the odds shift like through the course of a battle where the odds are heavily stacked against certain types of characters at the beginning and then might, you know, go heavily in their favor at the end. So it's always kind of a, cat and mouse between the various characters so you know if it was kind of a gods lose their power the more monuments of theirs are destroyed then really like the gods are these big kind of overpowered beings the beginning the humans are trying to scramble around avoid them do as much kind of collateral damage as possible and then you know the gods are trying to get their their kills in quickly um yeah you know I, i always love the um, characters that can really kind of turn it up when they're in the um, either kind of late game. I know a lot of Smash Bros characters like uh, 
uh, Sephiroth and uh, Lucario have these kind of like the more the higher percentage damage they have, the more uh, kind of enhancements to their character they have or characters like um, like Phoenix Wright in Marvel versus Capcom 3, where you have kind of tasks to perform. And if you're able to accomplish them, then throughout the battle, you grow more and more powerful. All of these shows that are heavily combat focused, there's also they play with the concepts of death and healing. Like, is someone actually dead or do they have your, is there pieces of the environment or can you create a tug of war like battle for a healing fountain or, or a special magical object and take what would be maybe in another fighting game. Hey, every character has their signature set of powers externalize those put them in the stage and then make it a tug of war to really capture those things a little bit more kind of smash bro style i guess i'm also like thinking in my head too like i feel like smash bros so are you talking about like just the way smash bros does like stats and powers or how it looks as well Well, i'm I'm thinking about like sometimes uh in a in a smash brother stage there'll be an object that appears that is just such a, a tempting thing that suddenly the fight shifts from a I'm trying to get my opponent to maybe a a tug of war or a race to capture that. Oh, okay. Like a smash ball or a hammer. (laughs) I am not a Nintendo person. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're a real person. You know what I mean? But that helps with the context. I think that would actually be really cool because I think if you do it and you're thinking about like designing also like each level around like different properties too, like there are objects and items of power in each of these series that could be easily used for that. So from a storytelling perspective, I think that would actually really work. We are at our 10 minutes. And so I'm afraid we're going to have to cut it off there and give it a name. I don't know. Let's see, what would be so um, would you remind me of the name of the studio? Powerhouse Animation. Powerhouse. Man, this kind of writes itself already. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we kind of take that to make it like the big crossover fighter? I have no I'm not good with names. I used all of my creative juices for naming things when I made, named <laughs> but why though? <laughs> Is there Castle Manos? What are, <laughs> something crazy? Powerhouse Power Power struggle. Uh, power cross. Ooh. <laughs> I like that. That's uh yeah. that's got good like workout equipment energy yes. to it as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy for maybe the first good Castlevania game in about ten years. Very cool. Power cross. I think that's uh I think that works. You're yeah. not wrong. <laughs> that's right. And there was a Castlevania fighting game on the N64, but I don't think it was very good if oh, I remember correctly. Boy. Anyways, that, that series has had a long and storied history. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Let's move on to our next video game pitch. This one will be coming from me. Uh, what I want to do is kind of a 3D photo scavenger hunt where... You're kind of tasked with finding various kind of shapes, um, start with like letters of the alphabet and then evolve into, you know, different types of like, I don't know, letters in other languages or runic symbols or whatever, but basically just shapes, not like, not like concrete things like flowers and snails and stuff. Cause that's, that's too easy, but basically you would have to find those shapes in the environment and you would do that by, you know, kind of finding intersecting lines and interestingly photographing the corner or street lights or whatever it is that and from whatever angle you want that gives you the desired shape 
Um, so basically, it's kind of a uh, free form in a lot of ways, and the game would kind of automatically judge your photographs against the prompt that you were given and determine how good of a job you did in kind of divining this uh, shape in this kind of open world city environment. So I'm going to go ahead and start the clock there. So for context, I'm uh, I'm imagining I'm getting some sort of prompt and that prompt might be a, a triangle at like rotated 15 mm-hmm. degrees or something like that. And now I have... Am I kind of in a um, diegetic photo mode? Like, am I in the universe with a camera taking pictures or am I more like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, click the sticks and I've got really full external to the character photo mode stuff going on? I think diegetic makes the most sense to me. Maybe we do allow a little bit of a little bit more kind of climbing mobility than most people would have. But I like the limitations of, you know, being kind of feet on the ground. Maybe we can think about, you know, unlocking drones and stuff later in the game but uh having those you know working against the limitations i think presents an interesting challenge uh i mean that's kind of how i mean because hitman doesn't have like a full photo mode but like uh, hitman 3 you can take pictures of the camera (laughs) he's got his little camera phone yes i took a lot of mirror selfies (laughs) with my age of 47 um but i think that that actually adds like a really unique take and i do like the challenge i'm all for like small challenges that can amount to like larger larger challenges Mm -hmm. um so i'm down with that personally yeah i I recently played there was a game called alba a wildlife adventure um i played it on ipad through the apple arcade although i know it's available for other platforms as well at least on switch and pc Uh, but anyways you play as this little girl who lives on this island and you are uh, you're interested in the wildlife of the island and you go on these various kind of quests to help people in town and to rebuild wildlife shelters and stuff like that. Like, you know, pretty nice, not offensive type stuff. And um, while you're doing it, you have, you're also tasked with kind of filling up your, um, I don't know, call, call it a photo journal, but it's almost like bird watching. You're taking photos of the various, you know, animals and birds that you see on the island and the camera would kind of automatically identify them when you take a picture of them. But uh, as much fun as that was, and as as difficult as it can be sometimes to take a photograph of a bird in the air in motion, it, it did feel like, like it didn't... Um, I got some really bad photographs from time to time. You know, the animal is completely facing away from the camera. Maybe only its ear was in frame. Like, and and it would still count because you know the the computer is still scanning for the shape and you know it is within the frame so it's going to count and that's just kind of the way that uh, games that um, with photographic scavenger hunts that rely on kind of like is the flagged object in the frame if so then they get the points in this case it would be there would be no kind of flagged objects everything would be completely kind of agnostic um, but it would be looking for kind of shapes and lines and everything. And so you'd have to think about the form of the photo more than even what's in the photo in the first place. That's interesting. So like, I'm also thinking like, how can we push this to be even more puzzle too? Mm -hmm. Cause I'm, I am so outside of like, like, I guess like MMOs and like anything I play co-op, like I really dig puzzles. Um, So I'm just thinking how we can make this even more, puzzle based and also like how are people going to traverse uh to take them i i like the idea of uh, i don't know if 
if you're imagining H in your mind that like if I let's use a tree as an example for the triangle because I think it's easier uh, to for people to realize or like a house rooftop or something where I take a picture here is it I'm getting the full frame and it's just kind of detecting the triangle within it or is it a little bit more like um, after I take the photo it sort of mats out everything else and I'm left with the triangle or the the you know square rectangle whatever that is filled with the texture of the photo I'm taking because I I think to what you just said Kate about making it a little bit more puzzly I I remember early days, early grades, math class, and playing with tanagrams. Do you guys remember tanagrams? Those no. blocks of different shapes that you have to fit together to make like <laughs> yeah. swans and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, you know, little oh, wow. uh, trapezoids. And uh, yeah. it, it's it's definitely Googleable. I don't even know if they're called tanagrams <laughs> or tan, tangram, whatever. It's basically just little flat shapes that you can, yeah, you can make a windmill, you can make a cat, that sort of stuff. I think it would be so cool to, through a photo mode, if you're moving around and actually physically moving like a, an umarangi generation sort of thing. Uh, taking the photos and then building up this sort of geometric texture library. And then you could like create quilts with it or patterns and all these things, maybe decorate a house or something. I would like if, um, you know, if the game is kind of starting off with the letters and it would give you the letters, perhaps even in a random order, and you would have to find something that looks like the letter L. And so you would find a street light and photograph it upside down. And maybe you'd need to find something that looks like an O. So you'd find a building with a circular window or, you know, however creative you want to get with it. And then at the end of the kind of chain of quests, then it would show you your photos, but arranged in whatever message it wanted to give you, you know, the sweet little I love you message from whoever <laughs> put out the uh, request in the first place or whatever it is, or maybe it's a, maybe it's a, you know, Chicago because that's the city that you were in, whatever it is, but yeah. um, something where mm -hmm. you don't necessarily know the end goal that you're working towards. You're just kind of doing little steps along the way as well and letting it be a surprise at the end. Yeah, that would be really nice. I'd also think too, like, if there were any, like, restrictions, I guess. So, like, are we thinking about things only in nature or would it also be, like, man-made pieces? Like, walking through, oh, yeah, like, totally. an urban area and, like, maybe having to find, like, a traditional, like, natural shape in an urban environment. I don't know if mm. that makes sense, but, like, you have to find something of... I don't know how to explain it. I just thought it may be something difficult of like if you're walking in a place that is completely devoid of like natural, uh, natural life, like a downtown, and then you have to like yeah. find elements because like you're gonna get a completely different like shapes and letters in that area, and some things will be easier and some things will be harder, um, based on like what type of setting you're in. I'm gonna need to go to the Target parking lot to get those red spheres that they've yeah. got those concrete. <laughs> Um, so I think maybe like building it out, like when for the requests to be like taken into account those two things. And then like if you've taken it in a location where it's like deemed harder to find that through an algorithm that I suppose oh, yeah, that I'm going to make up in my mind would work <laughs> that way, like you would get extra like. Yeah, that's interesting. It's almost like a reverse version of the kind of hidden challenges in The Witness where you're in this kind of mostly natural environment and you'd have to find, you know, straight lines that connect in weird ways. And you would do that by kind of like positioning yourself in such a way that 
objects in the foreground and the distant distant background would line up and you can kind of trace your um your line your shape uh through the various objects yeah that that's actually cool and you know i don't want to drain this thing's soul but um when we started talking about taking a picture of a lamppost upside down or something it really does make me think that you know who better than miles morales or peter parker to be taking some of these photos because you could really you know configure your web scale a building hang upside down in very unusual places and get these sort of uh, abstract angles but i do wonder if you want your character if they're physically traversing the space to have some kind of base jumpy bungee jumpy sort of ability to capture these photos yeah i feel like coming up with like a traversal mechanic would be important Hmm. and then i also think that it would be interesting to have like photos and movement so like even if it's just like your character gets on like a train car or like something Mm, like that and they're watching out the window and you have to spot these things as the train is moving um that's a good point also be good yeah uh I i think um yeah maybe more kind of interesting and diverse um movement mechanics could come later in the game i do want at least the opening portions of the game to feel fairly pedestrian because i want to kind of invoke the tony hawk effect where you leave the game and then you start seeing the world around you in a different way (laughs) (laughs) but anyways we are at our 10 minutes so let's uh let's cut that one off and let's give it a name you could just call it photo mode photo mode i'm i'm wondering if we've ever done that before we do a (laughs) photography based game (laughs) i think it's just an interest between the two of us let's see if we've ever done a we we've done one in uh, playwright 86 called everything but the photo mode oh, <laughs> so I think okay. if we were to just call it photo mode this could almost act as kind of like a, uh, a sequel in a way. the prequel or the sequel <laughs> that's right <laughs> okay we made Anyways, everything I, else. I think that does kind of suit though <laughs> <laughs> all right um q do you want to wrap this episode up with uh with your pitch for the day yeah i so um Big coincidence here. We started with karate. We're going to end with some karate. All right. I unabashedly have enjoyed Cobra Kai on Netflix. I was recommended to it um, from a friend back when it was a YouTube show. And I thought the acting was, I almost walked out of the quote theater. (laughs) I was like, are you kidding me? I can't watch another second of this. And then somewhere by episode six, it all clicked. Um, And I was like, okay, maybe I actually love this show. There's a Cobra Kai game that they just released, but I think it's like a brawler game. And I think that is the wrong, that is the wrong genre for Cobra Kai. What I'd like to pitch this week is maybe a Telltale-esque style game or perhaps a Watch Dogs Legion style game where I am going around and uh, recruiting people to join my uh, maybe player-created karate dojo. And I can recruit people by many, many means. Maybe I'm uh, romancing them. Maybe I'm doing favors and tasks for them. Maybe I'm defeating them in battle. But you're trying to make the biggest badass karate dojo in all the valley all right starting the clock there we should get netflix to sponsor yes (laughs) so i just want to lead with i love cobra kai i thought i was gonna hate it but i love it so much it has no right to be good it doesn't and johnny just deserves a hug he's a giant himbo and i love him 
I think that one of the things, the first thing that you have to do is we have to have a logo designer because we need something as good as Eagle Fang Karate. Um, I don't know if you're caught up on season three. Yes, I am. Yes, we need yeah. Eagle Fang. Yes. Yeah, so we need people to like be able to make their own animal centered karate dojo <laughs> logo. Well, I think you're right. And in the same way, the recent Tony Hawk had all those decals that like transported you back to the 90s. Yeah. This could be like 80s uh, karate mascot sort of vibe yes. going on. Yes. Yeah, I think that that has to be, like, step number one. So, like, choose your logo, choose your colors. I think an aspect of karate and other kind of competitive combat sports, like uh, fencing and stuff like that, that a lot of games miss out on is that it's not really like fighting when you're in the middle of it. I mean, there are fists flying at you and such, but... um, yeah. That's more kind of like the aesthetic level. Like, I feel like it's almost better represented. And this is one of the reasons I really like the original Karate Kid movie is that they really kind of uh, treated it almost like a more kind of strategic, like a chess match in a way. And so it'd be neat if the actual fighting could feel almost like turn based in a way or almost like a Mm. like a strategy puzzle uh, rather than like a, you know, button mashing kind of brawler type of experience. Um, and I was thinking of the uh, the recent John Wick game that uh, Mike Bithell's studio put out. And I don't know if there are interesting ways to kind of like work the uh, work kind of a turn based combat into the other mechanics as well, the kind of relationship building. And maybe if we can find some way to kind of overall kind of envelop this entire experience in a unified systemic package that can you know, mechanically kind of work for everything in a way. Yeah, that's what I was going to like suggest that would be really interesting. Like maybe turn-based. My brain went dating sim mechanic, um, but <laughs> like not, but like obviously not dating your students. No to that. But like <laughs> the, the same type of other. like, yes. Um, but like, like you would also, I feel like an important part would also be able to pick your students or at least like set guidelines of what students would enter and then like, through like i guess like real time strategy you could like maybe go into i don't say like interviews but like they present their behavior at school or something and you have to decide whether or not you'll keep them and keep training them and then that impacts your karate dojo score overall um that might be interesting as well i like that so you get into maybe so we we design our logo let's design our geese hang up some signage choose the studio location are we gonna go more strip mall or more you know miyagi Do, and then setting some principles for your students and trying to find students that align with those principles and that sort of thing i in terms of the actual combat h i'm i'm almost in a headspace of, I love the idea of the romance and the 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 dating sim mechanics because I think that these are all valid. That is the way some people get recruited is that they build a relationship with someone at the the school. And another layer, you know, karate being about self defense. I almost imagine maybe because I've got Jedi Fallen Order brain going on from from playing it recently, but 
imagine an own real really only parry based combat system where mm. you're just kind of blocking deflecting blocking and it's all timing and it feels kind of like a dance in the way that a great karate uh, choreographed fight looks like i really like games that incorporate both real-time and turn-based elements like paper mario where it's essentially a turn-based battler but you do get the opportunity to play almost little kind of timing mini games depending on the weapon that you're using and depending on what you're what you're defending against that can either increase or mitigate the damage uh so yeah i think there's ways to kind of have uh have both cakes and eat them I think it would be important if we are designing our own dojo, then we are opening up a new karate school in the valley, and then Miyagi-Do and Cobra Kai are all sort of competing schools. I'm I'm imagining the uh, very fun but maybe culturally insensitive reference of Crackdown from Microsoft and the way that the the city was carved into all of those <laughs> gangs. Uh, don't go to the Cobra Kai side of town. You know, you'll uh, you're really at risk over there. Maybe there is almost a kind of characters are almost like Harry Potter houses, kind of like the evil characters go to certain. Mm-hmm. Like you have to if you are in charge of the evil dojo in a way you have to kind of work <laughs> against the nature yeah. of the students and get them to, you know, stay out of trouble and and that kind of thing you know i can't even imagine being a headmaster of slytherin and having to <laughs> rein in those little terrors hey as a slytherin <laughs> i take offense to that i'm probably um, one myself <laughs> i think i'm a hufflepuff but but i think that that's actually a good mechanic and uh, so here's my thing the way microsoft executed that was very problematic but yeah. i do think that like when you if we're if we're looking at like you have to create a thriving dojo in a certain area you do have to take um like the makeup of that area economic standards of that area and all of that has cuz if you think of like if you even think of mm. it like close to like a management sim in that way like each area of town is going to give you a different hit right like and that's just how it happens like i'm personally from a very very bad part of town in san antonio so i have been in like i was in fights when i was younger right like and and so like if you get somebody like me in your dojo you're you have to reteach somebody how to fight and when to fight right versus like you go into like a bougie neighborhood and you're you have like if you even just think about the kids from karate kid or from Mm -hmm. from cobra kai in general like what's his name um the the one dimitri dimitri no not hawk dimitri the annoying one yeah yeah like he doesn't want to get hit and he doesn't want to do the training because (laughs) he's he's never had to for no extensive leg (laughs) yes And, like, I do think that, like, if you take that into account, like, that's going to impact what types of students you have. And then I think once you hit, like, a certain threshold of, like, notoriety, then you, like, expand your students and students can come from across the city. You're you're kicking, first of all, H.U. destroyed me because now I realize Cobra Kai is basically just Harry Potter. And I, <laughs> I, I thought I was uh, too old for that crap, but here I am. But, yeah, I... That makes me think in terms of the students at the dojo, because there are some students that are a little bit more senior, tenured ones that the the teacher seems to, I don't know, hold a little closer or train a little bit differently. And it makes me think it's almost like the reverse nemesis system from, you know, Shadow of Mordor, where you are choosing which students are kind of your top lieutenants. And there are people that you're always trying to train to backfill them. 
And it really, every time you promote a student, uh, you are sending a message to the rest of the students about what your values are as, you know, the uh, sensei. So the, I think you could do really interesting social mechanics of depending on how you treat the students, who you promote and who you recruit, it, it that cascades out and you see if you're reinforcing or eroding the values you originally set out. And kind of the trickle-down effects that you would feel if one of those leaders that you're really counting on is injured in a fight and has to sit out for a couple months, or if they are recruited by another dojo, um, you, you know, it's that does add some kind of interesting relationship dynamics to this management sim as well. Yeah. Do you want to recruit one of the best students from another dojo, even if it then causes a rift in your own dojo and eventually means that some students are going to break? Yeah, you could do a lot of uh, persona level uh, crap with this, I think. Interesting. Well, we are at the 10 minute mark again. These things, uh, they tend to fly right by. So let's um, let's see if we can find a good Netflix approved name for <laughs> for this game. Dojo Sim? Dojo Sim is good. I was going to say All Valley. Oh, that's cool. Because that's the name of the championship. All I Valley? think yours is cooler. The All Valley. <laughs> the All, the All, All Valley, Valley is a, cool. A Dojo Tycoon adventure. <laughs> Do, no, Dojo Tycoon. <laughs> that's just what it should be. Dojo Tycoon. <laughs> that's not bad. I like it. Um, Dojo Tycoon. <laughs> All right. Uh, we did not do a community pitch today because there are three of us on the show and that, uh, that rounds out our show, but, uh, normal, normal weeks, we like to hear from our community. And if you would like to submit a pitch of your own, you can do so by going to playwrightcast.com slash pitch. You can email us playwrightcast at gmail.com, or you can tweet your game idea at us, uh, at playwrightcast. And um, and we'll read it, discuss it, workshop it, break it down and come out with something entirely different on the other side in a future show. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it'll probably be a tycoon. Um, <laughs> special thank you to Proto Dome for the use of our theme song. Hello, world off the album Blue Noise. And when you're listening to things, why not go check out the Cane and Wrench podcast, the Sausage Factory, Sound of Play and Hey. But why, though? Uh, Kate, before you give us a plug uh, and and do your due diligence, three minutes on, on Hitman. Can we talk about the new Hitman? I just got into Hitman. Ryan's a huge Hitman fan. It's, tell us what you feel about Hitman 3. Oh, my God. I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I really enjoy Hitman. And honestly, what I've been telling people is while it is the conclusion to the World of, of Assassinations trilogy, it is actually a really good game to come into for the series mm -hmm. because it does the work of telling you and setting up the story like there's like the the campaign story is literally called oh my god it's it's like up until this point or something like that like something movie but like this this the story so far that's what it is mm. the story so far and it catches you up to speed and i it's it's just really good i really really enjoyed it i also am encouraging a lot of people who aren't stealth game players um, to try this game out, mainly because I feel like IO has done a phenomenal job of creating different pathways to success that both mm. that both reward stealth players without necessarily pu punishing players like myself who maybe aren't so stealthy and throw apples at everybody. Um, <laughs> and it's just like a good time. Two, I think my favorite thing is the more the murder mystery because there's like a whole like 
I think it's like a mini game within the game. Uh, I, I love it. I can't speak it too much. This is the Knives Out kind of level, yeah? Yes. Uh, I, I wrote an entire article where I just called Agent 47 Benoit Blanc 47 for the entirety <laughs> of it. So H has been trying to get me, I mean, not, not, not like actively, actively, but you've been loving Hitman for so long. I, mm. I'm proud to report to you. This is my progress report, sir. <laughs> uh, I just finished. What is right after Sapienza? It would be, um, Marrakesh. Marrakesh. So I'm, I, I know I have Hitman three. I don't know why I wanted to just go from the beginning, but I have caught the bug. So I'm on board the Hitman train and I'm looking forward to getting to these Hitman three levels. That's great. Have you been doing just kind of one run at a time and moving on? Or have you been kind of spending some time rinsing each of the levels? I've been doing one at a time because I, I wanted to get to the three stuff and have a level of proficiency there before I, I did it. But uh, yeah, after you finish the level and it's like, well, now you can enter from the garden at Sapiens. And I'm like, well, that sounds pretty good. So <laughs> I, yeah, I'm torn at, at, at pushing forward. Very cool. Well, I'll, I'll be interested to hear your, um, your funny stories because everyone has them. You know, it's like there's, um, there are very few games that really create storytelling moments better than hitman you know i will i always talked about um just cause 2 every time i would play that i would walk away with incredible stories to tell people of just the most daft and insane things that had happened to me in that world and i feel like hitman is kind of the same way you know it's even it, it the best laid plans like always end up having a little bit more improvisation than you think they probably should and there's um yeah, things go wrong, but in the most delightful ways, and it always ends up being really memorable and just a, um, a great kind of meeting of obviously very heavily like written and planned moments on iOS side, kind of married with more mechanically driven, spontaneous moments on the player side. And um, yeah, it's always, always surprising, always a lot of fun. So I'm glad you're getting into it. And uh, I'm glad we... Uh, have a new hitman game after these years it's great <laughs> oh yeah so, I, I was gonna say i will say a quick tip don't be afraid to save 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 and reload yes. up until the point that things went haywire <laughs> i did that so much if you're an apple person i am a soda can person for sure i can't the amount of destruction <laughs> from soda cans in my oh world yeah is- i I still stand where I believe Twisted T needs to do a partnership with Hitman 3 and have that be like an exclusive target thing. <laughs> anyway, people can read uh, your wonderful Hitman 3 review and a ton of other stuff. Please uh, plug away. Yeah. Uh, so you can find all of that at butwhythopodcast.com. Um, I wrote a piece ranking all of Hitman's starter suits in order of attractiveness. <laughs> and I also wrote extensively about the Dartmoor mission, which includes the murder mystery and then my review. Um, and I have another game review coming out as well for the medium. So hmm. be on the lookout oh. for that. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at my at I was gonna say my hero. Why am I saying my hero? I have my hero on the brain at <laughs> oh my Mithrandir. Um, and then you can follow the site and our community at but why though PC on Twitter, Instagram, and everything else. So the uh, the starter suits it wouldn't include the Agent Forty Seven dress as Santa Claus, right? <laughs> No. So it's weird. So I chose <laughs> starter suits and then uh, disguises you could get in the game. 
<laughs> or things that you could choose as okay. your starter suits. I essentially mm. just made the rules so that I could just include all the things that I found attractive, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> I do the majority of my um, suit-only silent assassin runs as Santa Claus, and That's it makes amazing. it so much more fun. That's so good. <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, that pretty much takes us to the end of the show. To take us out of the show, we we like to play a little game around here, and we've never done it with three people before. So what we're going to do is a little game called Redacted Games. Um, been saying that word a lot recently. So <laughs> what we're going to do is I'm going to read the Metacritic description of a video game, but I'll redact all of the information that could um, that could feasibly identify it, and it's up to you two to guess what game uh, Metacritic is talking about in this case. And if if needed, uh, we can pull in some uh, additional kind of metadata, but um, let's see how far we can get. We typically allow like three guesses, um, but I don't know how it works with two people, so let's just kind of play it by ear and see how it goes. <laughs> so anyways, the description of this particular game is Redacted is a redacted-based puzzle-slash-redacted game. The millions of redacted that live in the beautiful redacted don't know that they are in a game or that they are extremely delicious. That's it? That's, that's it, I'm oh, sorry. God. <laughs> oh, God. Um... Uh, all right, so, okay, let's workshop this. What do we get? We have a, it's a puzzle e-game, and there's millions of things that potentially are edible in some way. Yeah. And also, we know that they are delicious, so it can't be a cooking game like Overcooked or something, because mm -hmm. that's, you're not the one being eaten and delicious. You're creating something that's delicious. Or something with agency is delicious. Delicious. <laughs> is this a Pokemon game? That's a, no, wait, that's oh, not no. my first guess. <laughs> no, not a Pokemon. <laughs> no, no, come on. <laughs> um, I... So there's this indie game. I don't even know if it's on Metacritic, but there's this indie game called Bacon Switch, where essentially you play as these cooks who have to um, like get these buns into ovens that are like sentient and stuff yeah. like that. And yeah, it's can adorable. You eat an <gasps> don't say that. I don't know. <laughs> don't even pose that question. Well, you can eat a bug snack. So can you? Can maybe you could eat an ooblet? Is it bug snacks? This uh, this would not be bug snacks, or I'll, I'll kind of rule out the whole Pokemon ish genre. Okay. I know that there's collection Draypolo and Ooblets. I think kind of play with some potentially edible types of creatures, uh, but this is not a creature collecting game. I think that safely eliminates Viva Pinata as well. <laughs> I uh, um, so we both have a uh, you both have a couple of of guesses out there. Let me give some Metacritic uh, some meta information and see if this kind of narrows it down a little bit so this would be let's see what would be helpful <sighs> okay <laughs> this is uh this might be helpful or mice might completely throw us off the trail this was the number one best wii game of 2008 the number Ooh. eight most discussed wii game of 2008 and the number three most shared wii game of 2008 okay did you have a wii I did, but like we were poor people with a Wii, so we had like Wii Sports. Yeah, that's what everybody had though. Yeah, exactly. And that's like how many all we had. We had that and like rock sports band. items are edible. I know. <laughs> the Wii. What was on the Wii? <laughs> Hold on, wait. Did I'll you say that it's not an exclusive? Okay. Okay. That 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 was gonna be 
mine. But next the Wii is probably the platform it's best known on. Wow. Okay. From 2008, it's partially a puzzle game, and it was on the uh, Wii. I am stumped. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, let, uh, let me just go through some Wii games in my mind. Because, uh, like, all the things that I'm thinking of is where you cook food. It's not, like, sentient food. The delicious part is it's some interesting kind can of, you, like... Can you reread it again? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll say that I was surprised when the deliciousness factored into the description. <laughs> okay. I hope it's not okay. a Resident Evil game. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Redacted is a Redacted-based puzzle-slash-redacted game. The millions of Redacted that live in the beautiful Redacted don't know that they are in a game or that they are extremely delicious. They don't know that they're in a game or that they're extremely delicious. Was there a Matrix game on the on the Wii? <laughs> are the people the delicious thing in that game? I don't All know. All those pills, man. <laughs> <laughs> man, those that red and blue gel pills do look very delicious. I know they are very jewel-like in their like Mike uh, and candy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I think you and I probably one more guess each. Uh, I'm let I'm trying to think of 2008. We do we want some more kind of meta information here? Yeah, give us one last ten, pass, uh, please. Okay. I'll read a ten review and a zero review, and these are user reviews. So okay. do with that what you will. All right, a ten review says: From time to time, a random game you stumble across impresses you a lot. 65 million and one BC, clean Asia, etc. I don't know what any of that means. Um, this is one of them. If you don't buy this game, you are missing out on the best download of 2008, and we wouldn't want that, would we? And a zero says, dumbest puzzle game ever, waste of time and money, WTF are you people smoking? I'm insulted. Every minute I play this game, the crap is the, oh, this crap is the same things every smartphone has going on a zillion different times. Okay. Oh, um. Do you know it? If it's this, I'm gonna be confused <laughs> as to. I, I don't. I, I guess it doesn't I, hurt to guess. It doesn't hurt to. Well, I think do we do we each get one additional guess? Because I think I know. Yeah, what I it think is that's now. fair. You can each have one more guess to wrap this up. And if she guesses it before me, then technically point goes to Kate. <laughs> yeah, is uh, it? you could still guess. <laughs> you could still guess a wrong thing afterwards. I won't. I won't take that against. Oh, nice. <laughs> Is it World of Goo? It is World of Goo. Oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know where the delicious came from. That is Maybe. confusing. But it has a 94 meta score and an 8.7 user score, which is higher than I would have expected. I love, I can't believe it's, would you say it's known for Wii? That isn't, that's an iPhone game all the way for me, baby. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or an iPad game. Just being one of those kind of like WiiWare early breakout download hits. Love World of Goo. That was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I I have it on Steam as well. (laughs) World of Goo. Gosh. World of Goo was really the early bridge constructor, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 It's physics based and puzzles, and that's my jam. It's right. The unredacted summary is: World of Goo is a physics based puzzle construction game. Wow. The millions of goo balls that live in the beautiful world of goo (laughs) don't know that they are in a game or that they are extremely delicious. I'm gonna leave my mind in they they taste like black licorice, which I don't like, but I can see some people. That I I like. That sounds. I do not (laughs) like. I do not like black licorice. Well, good job. 
Uh, that's a, a successful end to the show. And uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you to our <laughs> guests for, for joining in today. And um, we'll catch you again next week. Bye.